page 21 of the introduction. Mr. Perry, will you read the opening paragraph of the preface entitled Understanding Poetry? Understanding Poetry by Dr. J. Evans Pritchard, Ph.D. To fully understand poetry, we must first be fluent with its meter, rhyme, and figures of speech, then ask two questions. One, how artfully have the objective of the poem been rendered? And two, how important is that objective? Question one rates the poem's perfection. Question two rates its importance. And once these questions have been answered, determining the poem's greatness becomes a relatively simple matter. If the poem's score for perfection is plotted on the horizontal of a graph, and its importance is plotted on the vertical, then calculating the total area of the poem yields the measure of its greatness. A sonnet by Byron might score high on the vertical, but only average on the horizontal. A Shakespearean sonnet, on the other hand, would score high both horizontally and vertically, yielding a massive total area, thereby revealing the poem to be truly great. As you proceed through the poetry in this book, practice this rating method. As your ability to evaluate poems in this manner grows, so will, so will your enjoyment and understanding of poetry. Excrement. That's what I think of Mr. J. Evans Pritchard. We're not laying pipe. We're talking about poetry. How can you describe poetry like American bandstand? Well, I like Byron. I give him a 42, but I can't dance to it. Now, I want you to rip out that page. Go on. Rip out the entire page. Hear me. Rip it out. Rip it out. Go on. Rip it out. Thank you, Mr. Dalton. Gentlemen, tell you what, not just tear out that page, tear out the entire introduction. I want it gone. History, leave nothing of it. Rip it out, rip! Be gone, J. Evans Pritchard, PhD. Rip, spread the tear, rip it out! I want to hear nothing but ripping of Mr. Pritchard. We'll separate it, put it on a roll. That's the Bible, you're not going to go to hell for this. And so the rest of the class uh, takes the next a minute or two to rip out uh, the pages of a book, which the way that I grew up, that was sacrosanct. There wasn't something that you did. Uh, even to this day, the defacing of books is something that I have a physical reaction to because they're important. Um, anything that has ever been written, even the shittiest thing, it's a creation of somebody. And, and, and just the concept of ripping things out, burning them or whatever, it's, just, uh, it's not something that sits well with me. I want to read something to you guys real quick. A, a free bird leaps on the back of the wind and floats downstream till the current ends and dips his wing in the orange sun rays and dares to claim the sky. But a bird that stalks down his narrow cage can seldom see through his bars of rage. His wings are clipped and his feet are tied, so he opens his throat to sing. The caged bird sings with a fearful trill of things unknown but longed for still, and his tune is heard on a distant hill, for the caged bird sings of freedom. The free bird thinks of another breeze, and the trade winds soft through the sighing trees, and the fat worms waiting on a dawn-bright lawn, and he names the sky his own. But a caged bird stands on the graves of dreams, 
His shadow shouts on a nightmare scream. His wings are clipped and his feet are tied, so he opens his throat to sing. The caged bird sings a fearful trill of things unknown but longed for still, and his tune is heard on a distant hill, for the caged bird sings of freedom. I'm going to read to you another thing I got. <laughs> it might be a good idea, I'm sorry, quote, it, it might be a good idea for you to pull up some videos of professionals reading poems. It'll give you a better idea of how pacing works. What you're doing for me is not, what you're doing right now is not working for me, end quote. That was from a Twitter user, someone who's relatively new to the, to the podcast, and I think she means well, and I appreciate the fact that she took the time to write that. Excrement, as Robin Williams' character would say. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Um, listen, you know, I have always been in awe of poets. By the way, that was Maya Angelou. Uh, and the name of the poem is Caged Bird. Caged Bird. Um, I've always been in awe of the way that true poets, true writers, true artists, Go about life collecting things. Just, just put, you know, they just, I always think of they carry around this little imaginary satchel uh, by their side. And they go around life experiencing things, talking to people, understanding the way, they, 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 the, understanding how they perceive life. And they just pluck all these little things and they put them in their satchel. And then they go home, or they go, they go to their computer, or they sit with a pen in hand, and they sit you know, in front of the parchment, and they start to get, gather and get things from the satchel and start placing them on the page in such a certain way that reconstructs what they've seen, what they experience, in such a way that it becomes universal for all of us who happen to come across their words. It's a real talent to be that insightful, but then to be able to translate it to play to, in language that everybody can get and to make emotions, you know, to, to, to create emotions, sorry about that, to create emotions in all of us. Um, that's what poetry does for me. And 100% true. I am not a professional uh, poet reader. Um, I mean, I have a fairly good education, but that is not what I went to school for. Uh, and the poetry that I've come across uh, in life is infrequent. Typically, it's something that is mentioned in a movie or is perhaps referenced in a book. Or um, back in the day, back in high school, uh, somebody would assign us poetry that we had to read. And so I would, you know, I would digest it in the best way that we can. And it would, it would imprint in me. And then, as I've told you guys in, in, in latter episodes, uh, there'll be a happening in life that will strike um, uh, you know, that will strike a memory that we that we that will hit the right chord, and all of a sudden that poem makes sense for me. It makes me feel something, and it's not uh, just poems. Uh, books will do that, or certain pieces of music will do that. But the point is that is that there's a, there's a real genius in people's ability to collect things, to put them back in an order. To share them with the world, and for whatever, and for those words to make others feel. 
And so she's 100% right. I may not do a very good job <clears throat> right, reading these poems, and I'm sure that you could go online and find uh, plenty of people who are classically trained and understand uh, tone and rhythm and all of that. But what I guarantee you is that as talented as they are, they will never be able to provide you the insight that I get from these works. And that's all right. I would love for them to, to hear their thoughts on what does the poem mean? Or are they just reading it because they've been trained to read it? I think of people like a Yo-Yo Ma or, again, a Maya Angelou. Um, that when, they're, when they're creating something or, or, or when they're performing something, they're not doing it because there's a paycheck at the end of the day or because they're trying to stick to a standard. But that at the elemental level, they are feeling their way through the work that they are sharing with us. That they, the, the, the words stand on the back of experiences that they've had that have shaped them. That's what I want my work to be. And so every single, every time that I get in, come into a roadblock, or I am feeling artistically challenged, I, I I can't seem to get off the pot and and, and make something happen. I'll go back to that uh, earlier um, little tidbit from Dead Poet Society, so that I can remember that I that, that it's okay to tear out the page, to get rid of convention, and to get out stand outside the box. And go out there and make something happen. Try. It might fail. Nobody, you may never have a readership. You may never have a listen, you know, and somebody listening to you. But that's all right. At least you attempted something. I remember, <clears throat> you know, there was several, several years ago. And I think I might have shared this on the podcast before. So if I have, I apologize. But uh, I used to manage a real estate office, a fairly large one. And I've always been you know, uh, curious about all of the new technologies and, and social media and, and, and what the internet can and cannot do for us. And so when MySpace was created, I was, you know, I was right there, you know, checking out MySpace. When Friendster was, you know, became available, I was on there. On there. Twitter, uh, I've been on there for years and it was something that I, that I heard about it on like a local radio show. The uh, Leo Laporte Tech Hour or whatever, and they were talking about Twitter, so I went there and created an account. I, I tweeted once, and then I didn't go back to it for you know several months, and and now I basically tweet every single day, and I tweet quite a lot. The name of the bloody show here is called Hugo's Post because it's based on all of the different conversations and different things that I am talking about with people on on the Twitter machine or Instagram or Facebook or Pinterest or Snapchat or whatever the fuck I happen to be on. Yeah, but anyways, so I, I've always experimented. I've always wanted to know what these things were about. Uh, back then, there were also possible uh, business applications uh, for it. I mean, I, I was one of the first people in, in my little area that was using Facebook, that was using Instagram for real estate purposes. And I was doing it for the company that I used to work for. Um, but anyways, I, I, but I have always had my own um, 
Facebook page, and I'm, I, I'm not one of those people that believes that real estate agents need to have a business page and they need to have a Facebook page. I think that you can do both. And that there is a way that uh, that you can work within the tool with the tools within Facebook to show different facets of your business. But at the end of the day, you should be the same person no matter what. The, the, the realtor side and the real person side, they're not two different things. They are one and the same. And then there's a, a way to 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 uh, to showcase that online and bring people in so that they can see that you are a regular person who that they can come from, that they can work with and who can they can trust to undertake one of the biggest projects that they'll ever, they'll ever undertake which is owning a home or selling a home anyways that's, that's a different story for a different day my point was i had a facebook i i have a facebook page and um, because I'm not shy and because I don't like clothes, uh, I chose one time to, sh- to put a photo up of me in Hawaii. Um, this was in my, at my leanest, I think. I was very proud of my abdominals. I was proud of my chest. I just, you know, I had that, you know, uh, Hawaiian tan that just, it just seems perfect. I mean, I look goddamn sexy. And I, and I thought, well... It, you know, yes, the shorts are riding a little bit too low, but I'll crop it a certain way. My hair looks nice, and just me in Hawaii, no big whoop. I'll go ahead and post it on there. Uh, a couple, a few days later, I get a, I get called into, you know, an office, and and I am told that there has been a complaint from someone about the photo on Facebook, and that although I don't have to do anything about it. I would be encouraged for my sake to take it off because I want to convey a professional um, personality out there and a photo like that just takes away from that. I did a little asking and a little question and basically out of hundreds of people that I know, it was one person that complained, but the person was consequential and therefore, again, I was not being told I needed to change anything, but I was highly encouraged. And... I took the photo down, and it bothered me, and it bothers me to this day that I had to acquiesce so to one person's complaint. But you know, that, back in those days, that was my bread and butter. I needed to. The market was not going fantastic. This was a good gig, a job that I, that, you know, that I had. It was steady, and, and it was keeping the house uh, going d- d- during those dark days. And so I didn't want to rock the boat. So. I did what I was asked. I wasn't told that I had to, but I did it anyways. But it always rubbed me the wrong way. Because again, it wasn't that I was out there in the nude. It was a fairly innocuous photo. But one person complained, and because I lived in a, you know, but because I, I was part of a business environment that looked down on that, I had to make a change for that. Fast forward to a few years later when I became an independent contractor and I, dis- and, I, and I own my own business and I do things on my own now. And the only person that I really ever have to answer to, well, a couple of people that I have to answer to, is one is my wife and then second is my children. <clears throat> but the great part about going independent is that I don't have to run that kind of shit through anybody anymore. I can post whatever the fuck I want. I can have whatever opinion I want. Now I do do some some to some degree of self censorship. There are some boundaries that I'm not willing to cross, but 
outside of those things that are things that are set by me, I don't have a cage anymore. I don't have to long to, hey, I would love to say something about this now, but I don't feel that I can because I am told by a number of you know uh, criteria, requirements, that I can't go there. Fuck that. But I have that freedom now. I am financially able to do so. And there are times when I, what scares me is that there might be a time when I may have to, because of financial reasons, go back to the cage. And it's always harder to go back to it, I think, once you know what freedom is really like. My point is this. I, I, again, the person who wrote me that little tidbit on the, on the Twitter machine, uh, she, meant, she means well. I, I really, in my heart's heart, think that she means well. But to me, it's a way of creating another, another cage around myself. That I must abide by the rules that professional poem readers or whatever the fuck say that this is the way that you um, that you're supposed to to to, to say the, the spoken word. Why? Because at the end of the day, the poem made me feel something. I don't have a slide ruler or a pie chart or an infographic to truly tell you all how it feels. I can only tell you as best as I can, and I hope also that, it, that at least in sharing it, it creates something in you that you want to look at the poem and that you want to you know, read it and, and, and gain some deeper uh, meaning from it that, that, that's specific to you. Right? I don't want to... Yes, I can do a much better job of reading it professionally, quote-unquote, but, but that's not the point, at least not... When it comes to this podcast, my point is, hey, this is an important work. It connected with me or it, it sparked an idea or a memory in me. So I am going to share it with you so that hopefully it will make as much of a difference in your life as it has in mine. Let's not put cages around one another, especially us content creators. Um you know, whenever I try to give opinion to to other podcasters, first and foremost, I am I, I, I disclose at the forefront that I have very little experience at this and I'm relatively new. But I have an ear for things and if you're putting yourself in a social space and you're asking for feedback, I am going to give it to you. I'll be as kind as I can. Uh, I will try to give you good with the bad. Um, you know, but I will give you my critique and in the best way that I possibly can. But I'm not going to tell you, hey, that's not the way you do it. Because there's no fucking rules here. Yes, there's best practices, and it would behoove anybody who really wants to make this thing a, a successful thing to to utilize them. But at the end of the day, when you start, you know, when everything you do is best practices, then you erode the personality the, you know, in the persona that you really wanted to show the world. You are caging in your voice. Don't do that. Don't acquiesce. You know, make your own path through life. I, again, I go back to that poet society for a variety of things. It's one of those flicks and, and, and one of those performances in Robin Williams that always just hits me in the heart. I've seen that movie, you know, 
every other year for the last, I don't know, it's 15, 18 years. And it always makes an impact when I watch it. It, it brings me back to the, those days back in the day when I was in, in, you know, at East L.A. being 16, 17 year olds and wanting to shout to the fucking world, hey, I have something to say. Will anybody listen? And, and knowing that nobody gave a fuck. But that, you know, but, but I had some choices to make. I could, you know, silence myself, and I think for some, to, to some degree, at some points I did. But then the moment that I had a chance to go out there and speak my voice, I did so as best as I could, and God damn it, I run away from that cage as much as I can. Because again, it's harder to go into it once you know what freedom tastes like. I don't know where you're at in life. Um, hopefully, you're in a place where you can, you know, be free to say, to write, to act, to dance, to do, you know, to, to, to do what makes you happy as long as you're not harming others. But what if you're not? If, if you're in that place where you are living vicariously to other people, I'm going to tell you that that's okay too. Sometimes we just got to you know, put food on the table. And we, got, and we shut the fuck up so we can do what's necessary to make sure that those that depend on us do not ever want. I respect that. That was who my parents were. They didn't rock any boats because if they got fired from jobs, that meant that family was not going to be able to eat for a month. So my parents never had the luxury, luxury of having a voice. They send us kids to college and to get a better education so that perhaps we could. And now that I have it, uh, it's fantastic. And, and now I have the responsibility to use it as best as I can. Not to tear people down, but to use it for, you know, for the better. But if you're one of those people that is right now listening to this, and you're, th- you're thinking, well, fuck, it must be nice, but I, that can, that's not me. I can't do that. I got I to gotta keep my mouth shut. Tell you that. I'm here to tell you that it's okay. It's a tough spot to be in. But when you do have the chance, you know, you got you to gotta leap out of that cage, man. You, you got to use your voice. You need to be heard. You need to be heard. We want to hear you. If there's anything great about this, technological age that we're in and this podcast movement that, that, we, that we happen to be in is that this is your opportunity to say it. But if once you get out, don't use your medium to shut down others or to create barriers or cages to others. Don't do that. There's, somebody told me once that there was enough room in the market so that we could all eat. Nobody would starve. A real estate market-wise, this was an old mentor of mine. And as I kept on looking at it, I thought, yeah, you're right. I mean, everybody's fucking worried about market shit and, and whatnot. And, and yeah, big businesses have to worry about shit like that. But when it came to, to our little corner of the world, there was plenty for everybody to eat. You know, it, there's resources out there. 
We just got to you know, we just got to better use them. And one of the things that we should not do, like I said, is put barriers around ourselves and around others. We don't grow together that way. So, see you later, Freebirds. Peace.